CMO Combo is back and we're diving into another conversation with a marketing leader on what's shaping the world of marketing right now. We're speaking to Unique Padar, CMO for a portfolio of fintech solutions under the BPCE umbrella. And we're talking about the importance of building strong connections with your CFO as a CMO. Ah, uh, Unique, welcome to CMO Combo. How are you doing today? Hey, Will, I'm doing great. Uh, doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you. Thank you for speaking to us today. I'm, I'm really excited about this conversation um, because it's a question that a lot of CMOs have to tackle and have to answer every day. Like, how do you get like investment from the CFO to engage in a lot of the strategies that you want to work on, um, particularly yeah. strategies that might not necessarily be seen as main revenue drivers, like, particularly stuff like building up brand marketing, that kind of thing. Like, it's it's yeah. tough to get that kind of um, that kind of money out of a CFO to, yeah. to really pay for that kind of thing. But before we get into that. Um, maybe you could introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us a bit about yourself and your background, Unique. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot. Um, yeah, so my name is Unique Potdar. I'm a you know, U.S. citizen living in Paris right now. Absolutely loving it. Uh, my background has been in uh, you know, B2B tech sales out in the U.S. in uh, Washington, D.C. area, working with Dell. Uh, later on, pivoted into product marketing uh, uh, in, uh, at companies like LinkedIn in San Francisco, and then recently uh, decided to, to relocate to, uh, to Paris to join the, the hypergrowth kind of tech market here, uh, leading product marketing in a, in a um, HR uh, payroll company that uh, actually became a unicorn now uh, called PayFit, and, and most recently ended up uh, pivoting into uh, BPC Group, which is basically the, the second largest financial group in, um, uh, in, uh, in France and fifth in, in Europe. So um, in my role now, I'm kind of overseeing uh, growth and, and marketing strategy for a portfolio of fintech startups. Fantastic, fantastic. And that product marketing background, does it, do you think it's given you like a, a particular approach to the CMO role? Like, are you approaching it in a, in a very product marketing way? Yeah, absolutely. I think honestly, um, yeah, honestly, product marketing for me has been a, a massive career builder just because, you know, you're, you're, you're really at the intersection of so many parts of the business model. You know, you're, you have to understand who's the target market exactly, who's the buyer persona, what are their challenges, how does our product meet those challenges and, and provide value, and what pricing strategy, uh, you know, you work with the product team to prioritize, you know, product roadmap, uh, you work with the marketing teams to organize a launch, uh, you work with the sales team to, you know, uh, help increase win rates and, and, and pitch the product, and you work with customer success to help with adoption and, and upsell, right? So you're really working across the entire, uh, at least key pieces of the business model. And for me, it's been an absolute, you know, a growth driver just for my career, because I approach product, I approach marketing from a product marketing background. Um, and uh, I think the biggest thing that's helping me do is just uh, have a much better understanding of how to align cross-functional partners, because by default, that's what you're doing all the time in product marketing. Um, and so even the way that I've built my team uh, as a CMO, the objective for me is to, uh, for our team, is to be able to enable product market fit and accelerate profitable growth. So there is the, you know, the necessity to be able to help the business identify who's the real target, um, or how should our product answer to their needs, and at what pricing uh, strategy to build a sustainable business model so that you can then accelerate profitable growth, right? And so uh, I think even just the way that I define the CMO role, you know, in, in, uh, in the different, in the various companies that I'm, uh, that I'm leading is maybe a little bit different from your traditional CMO. 
And it's it's good that you've mentioned working cross-functionally and working with different stakeholders within the business because that's what that is what we're talking about today. It's about having that relationship with your CFO. Yeah. And it, it might it might seem fairly obvious to to uh, to our listeners to say like oh you need to have a good relationship with your CFO. They're they're the people holding the purse strings at the end of the day. But it goes a bit deeper than that. So let's talk about why is it important to have a good relationship with the CFO besides just like being able to have a good relationship with the people you're working with like what 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 really are the benefits of having a good working relationship with your CFO yeah i mean the CFO is such an instrumental part to any business i mean they're managing you know the cash the the assets the liabilities of a business to be able to uh, to grow the business profitably, right? And you can be the best business in the world. If you run out of cash, it's game over, right? And so they're the gatekeeper to unlock opportunities for you as well, because uh, let's face it, in terms of marketing, uh, you do need to spend to get that ROI, right? And so in order to do that, you have to have a really good relationship with your uh, with your CFO, because the CFO is managing the cash. The CFO is uh, creating different philosophies in terms of how much uh, cash to allocate to uh, marketing, whether it's for hiring, whether it's for tools, whether it's for, uh, you know, performance kind of budget in terms of ad strategy and so on. And so you you have to be able to have a great relationship with this person so that they can obviously trust you, respect you, and, and give you, uh, you know, the kind of budget you need to get to your goals so that the business can grow. Uh, and in some, you know, in, sometimes when you're, you have a distant relationship with your CFO, they don't really know who you are. They don't really know what you're capable of. They don't really have a good understanding of what marketing is. They might see it as just like a, a, a spend, uh, you know, on the budget line item. Uh, and so you have to really understand uh, how do you shift that, that the way of thinking. And, and the way to do that is really just make sure that you're close. You have often great conversations with this person. You show how your role um, and your projects can relate to obviously uh, positive influences on his PNL. Right. Uh, so we can go into, I think there's so much to dive into that. We can talk about that. But in general, I mean, it's a, it, the, the CFO is someone that can help unlock growth and you need this person on your team. You definitely do. You definitely do as well, particularly because they're not just assigning budget towards the marketing team. They're, they're assigning all the budgets for all the different departments. So you've got to be able exactly. to show the value of marketing against the value of other departments, the value of, of sales, the value of product. And that can be really exactly. hard to do. They're really right. hard to attribute value to a lot yeah. of, of marketing. Um, and that, that, that's got to be tricky. So what are the expectations that CMOs, have, that CFOs even have for, have for marketing departments? Like you said, if they're feeling distant, they might just see it as a spend. And that's a very dangerous position to be as a, yeah. as a CMO. So what, what are the usual expectations in your, um, what the CFO wants? At least how I see it is the CFO would want a um, a marketing or I should say a marketing uh, strategist or a CMO that is capable of showing the growth strategy for the business, capable of understanding who do we need to go after for what reasons that's going to help accelerate cash flow, customer acquisition at the you know best profitable uh, price for the business. Now, I, the, I'm cautioning it here because obviously it depends where you are in your just overall uh, life cycle. If you're an early stage startup, if you're in hyper growth mode, if you're more mature, obviously your, your strategy and, and how much your, uh, your, your marketing budget as, uh, as a percentage of revenue is going to fluctuate, right? But in general, they're looking for the marketing partner to be able to give a clear line on the buyer uh, persona on what it takes to close that deal uh, and then what pricing strategy so that we can accelerate the business profitably. And, that, and that's that's fairly easy to do with like short-term strategies like demand gen 
and stuff like yeah. that and, and and paid media like you you're able to show clearly like this is how much we can spend this is how much yeah. we can expect to get back this is how much will eventually lead to conversions um yeah. but how do you do that with sort of more long-term strategies like seo with like content like brand marketing activities like how do you yeah. show that kind of value how do you show those the numbers that they need to see I think first it's very important to gain the CFO's trust and you have to let this person know that you understand their world. Uh, you know, they're trying to manage a, a business sustainably. If you can show them that you understand the world, if you can show them that what you're doing is going to drive cash flow, it's going to create a stronger growth engine, a stronger pipeline, it's going to increase LTV, which is customer lifetime value, it's going to lower customer acquisition costs, um, you know, it's going to increase or, or decrease your payback period from 12 months to, you know, seven months. I mean, whenever you can show that what you're doing is going to help uh, the numbers that he or she is looking at is going to be the biggest way to get traction, uh, to get budget, to get alignment with this person. Then also you have to be strategic because you're going to want to make sure that a part of your, a significant part of your budget is allocated towards things that will obviously produce ROI or that will be easy to track in terms of performance, in terms of lead gen, in terms of sales cycle, in terms of upsell strategies and so on. But then you have things like you mentioned that are a bit more brand focused, like you're looking at, uh, hey, let's say you want to put some posters in the metro, right, across all of London. Obviously something like that, it's very, very hard, but you want to place these at strategic moments, whether it's during a launch or whether it's doing, uh, you know, a big uh, field event happening in that area where you want to make sure your posters, your brand is up there. So yes, it's hard to to, uh, to quantify the ROI there, but if you can position uh, that spend logically to something else happening with the company at that time, it's a bit easier to gain, you know, that budget, right? Uh, but still, you still want to have maybe 80% of your budget, that's more something that can have direct uh, ROI or potentially easy to track. And then 20% on that kind of, you know, uh, brand kind of area. But you mentioned SEO, and I do think that SEO is, is I mean, I guess it depends how you, how you, how you uh, assess SEO, SEA, but at the end of the day, it's about uh, being indexed in Google or any kind of search engine to make sure that you pop up as quickly as possible uh, and that people click on your website over your competitor's website. So as long as you can show that there's growth happening on, on the website in terms of more and more people coming to your website as a result of that SEO strategy, and then as a result of more people coming on the website, we're now capturing more leads, right? So there's still always a way to kind of draw that straight line towards hey uh this is this has a positive effect to effect to spend in that category i like that idea of attaching request for request for money to to the the landmark moments like kind of kind of piggybacking on the back of, of other people's um i don't want to say achievements but what 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 other aspects of the business are getting involved with does it does that mean you have to work closely with other departments to to work out the marketing budget in that respect like do you have to do you have to make sure you're coordinating with other people besides the cfo to make sure that the cfo is getting the full information they need in terms of budget for the marketing team mm -hmm. yeah 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 i mean this is why i think um 
going towards customer acquisition costs and LTV, I mean, a lot of these things are very cross-functional because customer acquisition costs can, there's a lot of things that can, uh, that can affect it. Of course, it's, you know, your, your, your ad spend for lead generation, but it can also be, you know, the length of your sales cycle. It could also be uh, the, 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 the lifetime value that a customer produces in terms of how long they stay with you, the churn rate, the upsell rate, things like that. And so um, great conversation conversations with the CFO are also ones that are cross-functional where you're bringing in uh, sales, you're bringing in uh, customer success. Sometimes you're even bringing in product because you're in a product-led growth uh, kind of strategy where it's like you go on on the website, you lot, you sign up, you're in, you're already in the product plug and play, uh, right? And so sometimes product is even that in that conversation as well. So as long the more you can have kind of a cross-functional approach to uh, your strategy, the better it is. And so, yeah, go ahead. So, I was about to say, so it's, it's really about showing how anything that you do in terms of marketing can support other aspects of the business. You're not thinking about marketing on its own. You're thinking about how it supports other, other aspects of the business. So that one, exactly. What you're exactly. Yeah. 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 I, I, I honestly feel that marketing, I call marketing market king. So everyone who, uh, everyone who's on my team knows that I see marketing as market king in the sense that you are, you are literally responsible for understanding who are we going after? What's going to be the value propositions? What's going to be the revenue stream? What's going to be your customer acquisition channels? Like you are responsible for a big, big chunk of the entire business model. Uh, which are the partners that we could that we can work with in terms of commercial partners, product partners, and so on. Um, and so, you know, as a result, like you, you should have a very strong voice. And I think the ones that tend to think of marketing as being at the center of the business model uh, tend to do a bit better because they tend to learn more about revenue streams, learn more about pricing strategy, learn more about customer uh, acquisition costs versus LTV ratios, right? You start to be more uh, financially focused as opposed to your traditional um, CMO that's potentially more brand, more content, more digital marketing focused. And I suppose having that kind of, that kind of language, that fi- finance language as well, that's going to be a skill that's quite hard to learn, like yeah. quite hard to develop. Like, I mean, you're in fintech, so I'm assuming you're kind of surrounded by this kind of language all the time. But what, what about what about other CMOS who might not be in the the finance world? How how do how can they go about getting to know getting to grips with this kinds of language? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, I think that is one of the biggest weaknesses of any marketing person. Typically, is that they're some sometimes even shy of having, uh, you know, that kind of financial conversation with the CFO. And honestly, when I knew that I was going to get a CMO role, uh, I knew that one of the biggest weaknesses is like financial aspect. And so I ended up like reaching out to as many CFOs as possible and having conversations uh, with just random CFOs in terms of, you know, how do they measure ROI? How do they, you know, think about a budget allocation towards different teams? I started picking up several books. I even picked up a couple of books from Warren Buffett uh, and his team in terms of how do they pick stocks? How do they invest in companies? Because all of it is literally line by line, looking at the PL, looking at profit and loss, looking at cash allocations, looking at assets. And so I just started to really think of a business like, a, like an investor. Uh, and that kind of gave me the language to be able to have a great conversation with the CFO. Uh, so there's lots of blogs, there's lots of books, there's lots of podcasts. I, I literally told myself, I'm going to be a CFO in training right now for 30 days. And I, and I just binged as much as I could about different various sources, whether it's book, audio, seminars, webinars, uh, on, on topics of the CFO to really be able to have a much better conversation. The key piece there really quickly was understanding what are the challenges 
that mm -hmm. CFOs have today so that I can see how I can position any kind of idea or strategic big bet towards those challenges. And I suppose one way of identifying those challenges, particularly when it's uh, when it's particular to the company that you're working in, is to is to speak to the CFO about the challenges they're facing. Like, what yeah. what have that have an honest conversation with them about what can marketing do to help them, rather than just going in throwing loads of vanity metrics and say like, oh, if we do this, we can get more Twitter followers and stuff like that. Like, have oh, an actual yeah. understanding of what they need from you, and that's going to open up doors both in terms of both in terms of building this professional relationship, but also this personal relationship as well. It goes towards that kind of trust level that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Like, have you found that useful? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I told uh, one of the first things I did uh, when I came in as a CMO at, at Group PPC was uh, really to make sure that uh, I'm speaking with the CFO right away. So I ended up kind of scheduling meetings with everyone around the C-suite, but then with the CFO, one of the things that we did right after our first introductory meeting is like, hey, can you talk to me about the PL? Can you walk me through literally line by line? Uh, you know, what do you find great here? What are the weaknesses? What are the strengths? What are our, what are our opportunities? Where are our threats? And literally he did a SWAT uh, on the PL and it gave me a really good understanding of in terms of we had issues with re revenue diversification, right? We had a, a large segment of like a large enterprise company, but the problem with that is, you know, it's typically long sell cycle. So it takes long to convert. Uh, typically, uh, 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 as well, you have like, you know, just a few concentrated account that's pretty much in charge of the PL. And so we were talking about how we could diversify just kind of revenue by opening up mid market, things like that. And so it was just great conversations just from looking at his challenges to be able to see how marketing can help. And in that one conversations, I, I figured out that, oh, we have potentially some segments that are not profitable because they have a high acquisition cost and potentially they churn uh, faster than others. And so you know, my next step was then to talk with uh, the uh, the head of operations, who's also overlooking customer success, so that we could then dive deeply into the customer portfolio, uh, understanding how long it's taken to onboard them, how many tickets are being created, and what kind of implications that has on the operations team, uh, looking at the overall lifetime value. And so with customer success and finance, uh, and then speaking to sales to just kind of send sell cycle and so on, uh, I had a really good idea or hunch of maybe where we should start doubling down on. And that was kind of the beginning of a deep dive research to understand which segment is the most profitable. And then doing that early as well has got to be extremely beneficial. If you've, if you've presented to the, the CFO, like, listen, we're on the same page, we've got the same targets, we've got the same goals, it's going to make it easier to, to maybe... Yeah move the needle on certain aspects that might be otherwise a hard sell in that respect yeah. like if you, if you say oh we need to spend money on a rebrand at some point we need to change our logo like the cfo might be like what good would that do but if you've confidently laid out early on that that's that you are working towards certain goals it, then yeah. the route to get there the, the cfo will trust you more surely yeah yeah yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, I mean, I think one of the, we didn't talk about this yet, but I kind of have this framework where I have six indicators of success. Um, and well, the first one is product market fit, which is, you know, the capacity to have the right product at the right, uh, for the right market at the right price to accelerate uh, growth. And so you can look at overall just kind of uh, conversion rates from, you know, reaching out to a customer to did you get the meeting or not. Uh, these kind of, there's a lot of different indicators that you can see at the top of the funnel to understand if you have the right product services with the market fit looking at growth as well. So, you know, how many leads are we generating through which channels? So inbound, outbound, 
partnerships. Uh, what are the conversion rates? You know, are we 25% conversion rates on inbound, maybe 15 on outbound? Uh, and just kind of understanding how that's working, average deals, uh, average deal size, uh, average sales cycle, just really analyzing things step by step. Uh, the third piece was looking at the brand as well. So overall brand, how many followers we have on LinkedIn was great with that because the more followers you have on LinkedIn, the more idea you have of kind of like people who are interested in your brand and your products and your services. So you can also create targeted campaigns, which is also lowering CAC, by the way. Then there's the customer marketing piece. How quickly are we at kind of delivering the value that we promised at ensuring that our customers can get up and running fast, that they have uh, the right resources, the information to know how to use a product. So I can look at NPS, I can look at customer satisfaction, I can look at customer effort score. And then of course I look at PNL and then I look at talent. Talent is the last piece because talent is our ability to attract talent um, so that we can grow the business. And so are we getting a lot of applications? Do we have great talent coming in? How quickly are we onboarding them? And so even the way that I position marketing, I'm actually looking at multiple indicators throughout the business. And these are the things that build confidence because they're, they're like, okay, we have a player who's thinking about the whole team and who's not just thinking about marketing. Um, and the great piece about marketing is that you're at the center and you can influence all these things. Product market fit, growth, brand, customer marketing, PL, talent, you can literally influence all of those indicators. And so that's why I really love this position. Excellent, so, yeah. excellent. That's a, a really, really, yeah, that's a framework makes perfect sense. Is it something you've shared with the rest of the, the company? Are they aware of this, the framework that you're using for success or is this something you keep internal? No, no, that's actually one of the first things I did. So in my first, uh, my first thirty days, I did like a, a, a analysis of these six indicators. I presented it to the C-suite. I told them, "Hey, here's exactly how I'm evaluating the business, uh, and here's where I think we're red. Here's where I think we're green. Here's where I think we're yellow." Uh, and those were just absolutely great ways to kind of start a conversation. So, for example, uh, I did believe that we had the right product market fit, but I thought that the growth engine had a lot of uh, had a lot of issues for a couple of reasons. One, the CRM uh, just didn't have all the information we needed. It was hard to see when we reached out to someone. The lead scoring was, you know, a little, uh, uh, you know, could, could be improved. And so I literally just started pinpointing at different points of those six indicators. And it was just amazing conversations uh, for the C-suite because, you know, even at the C-suite level, uh, you might have people that are just specialists of what they know, what of what they knew and they're not necessarily thinking about the cross-functional impact uh, across um, and that's why uh, marketing uh, is is a great enabler of bringing people together you know I call it uh, marketing should be number 10 on the soccer field that a quarterback on the football pitch uh, but like that's literally your role you have to go all the way up to the deep to the offense with your sales uh, your sales team and customer success teams and you have to go all the way back to your defense with your dev team and your product team and even finance and legal and security uh right and so you you need to be able to actually go up and down the field um and that maybe that comes from my previous kind of sports days but i really see that as like you're running in the middle of the field with with everyone and you have a lot of responsibility and stamina that you need to have but be, being that kind of leader on the pitch as well you've got to have a good relationship with the equipment manager which is the cfo and being able to explain yeah. why you need certain equipment why you need certain um certain training regimes and stuff like that why you need to pay for that kind of stuff um so when it comes to explaining this this framework to the rest of the C-suite, in particular the CFO, a lot of that did come across as very, very marketing language. Like how how do you break through the jargon that often puts like other members of the C-suite to 
unfortunately to sleep they don't like hearing a lot of marketing jargon like how, yeah. how do you break it down into terms that is clearly understandable to everyone across the uh the c-suite and all the key stakeholders involved yeah, no, that's a good point. I think you're, you're totally right. Uh, just with any department, there's there could be a lot of jargon um, and marketing is definitely one of them for sure. Uh, I think the biggest thing is to ensure that everyone knows that we're literally, everyone in the room is responsible for flying this aircraft, which I call the business, right? And so with the business, you have your products and services, uh, you have your, your marketing and your sales team to drive acquisition. You, you know, you have uh, your, your financial team that's there to just ensure cash is doing, you know, well, you have your security tech and liabilities that's to make sure that, you know, the aircraft doesn't sink because we're getting, you know, uh, hit with lawsuits or, you know, technical difficulties or getting uh, targeted by, you know, any kind of, you know, uh, hackers and stuff like that. And so, but at the end of the day, we're all here to ensure that we have a sustainable product and business model that is uh, creating value for the market and that is also ensuring that we continue to grow so we can add value to ourselves and our teams. And so whenever I'm presenting a topic, I'm presenting from the perspective of a business and not presenting from the perspective of marketing. And so in terms of a business, you need to be able to have the right product for the market. You need to have the right pricing strategy and customer acquisition strategy to acquire customers so that you can fuel the cash engine and the cash engine can reinvest into other aspects of the business. And so I'm always trying to uh, to talk about things in a way that it makes sense. Uh, and so there's, uh, I don't know if you know, Don, Donald Miller, he wrote a book uh, called uh, Building a Story Brand. And he also wrote a book called Business Made Simple, where he kind of uh, talks about how how you just make business simple. And, and he uses a plain analogy, which is something I use all the time to make sure that like I can explain things in a very easy way for everyone to understand. But to come back to your question is just, how can you make it as simple as possible? How can you bring it back to the business and the customer? Um, and how can you make sure that everyone feels included in what you're discussing? And so when we talk about product market fit, product is included. If you have any kind of pricing monetization teams that are included, uh, you know, the customer success team is included, right? So there's a lot of different teams that are included when I talk the way that I do. Definitely, definitely. Um, so this all sounds great. We're all, we're working well with the CFO with this approach. What if it's not working? Is there a point where you should go over the CFO's head or is it time to walk away from the business? If, it, if you're not, if you don't have that clear relationship Ooh. with the CFO and you find you have to go over the CEO's head, over to the CEO, is it, is it irreparable at that point? Have you, have you lost that relationship completely or is there a way to try and build things back? I, I, I don't know if this is something that's happened to you in your experience. You don't have to name names. If you have, uh, but say you did encounter this situation, what, what would be your approach? That's a great question, man. Um, the CFO is not the end-all be-all, but it's definitely a great person that you need to have um, on your side. At the end of the day, key players are going to be your traditional sales, right? Your sales is, is obviously your partner in crime. That's the person that you are literally working with to ensure that we can go out and acquire customers in a sustainable fashion. Uh, so sales is always going to be key. Obviously, CEO, right? Um, this, and then it depends because CEOs typically you have you have a lot of different types of CEOs out there. 
you have CEOs that are tech focused, you know, really they come from kind of like the engineering background. You have CEOs that are sales focused. They come from a sales background and you have CEOs that are marketing focused as well. And so um, the way that you work with those different CEOs, CEOs are different, of course, but um, obviously, if you have, you know, alignment with the CEO and you're aligned on the OKRs and on the objectives, you know, key results of the, uh, of your team and of the business, and you're showing how marketing team will influence those, um, in a, in a positive way, typically that's great because the CEO obviously, you know, um, is, is number one when it comes to the, the C-suite and can help also unlock budget, which is some of the things that I've had to do sometimes when, Obviously, managing uh, in, a, in a portfolio, I, I can also tell you that I work with different types of CFOs. There's CFOs that see the value of marketing and the CFOs that see marketing as just a budget line item. Uh, and in one of those cases where the CFO kind of saw marketing as just a budget line item, of course, we don't have the best relationship. They already have this kind of predetermined way of you know, viewing marketing uh, and it's kind of hard to break through this person. But as long as I can kind of show him more and more in terms of how my numbers impact his number or her numbers uh, uh, in, a, in a positive way, then that's what I do. But I also did go over this person and just go straight to the CEO. And, and with the CEO, we unlocked more budget. And then he basically told our CFO, hey, let's let's get extra hires, let's get a bit more budget, let's prove, validate some of these tools that's going to help us be more efficient because the CEO is a lot more kind of business or uh, cross-functional minded than the CFO in this company. So uh, yeah, it doesn't mean you have to leave, of course, but um, it, it does mean that sometimes you can meet some resistance for, for new strategic projects. Yeah, but it's not, you shouldn't be going over the head for every single thing. Like it should be a last resort, I'm assuming. Like you're not, you're not going to be going on there if you, Say, you did, say they don't want to give you more money for pens. Like you're not going to go to the CEO and say, listen, we need more pens. Like it's, yeah. it's got to be something that's very important at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm always trying to focus on ROI in general. I remember one of the first things, uh, meetings I came on uh, when we were setting OKRs for marketing and someone said something about, you know, visitors on the website. And I'm like, that's not a key result I want to measure. I want to measure uh, how much, what's the conversion rate on the website. That's a much better metric to see. And as well as how many leads are we generating? Uh, those are much better. And then uh, while we're at it, how much marketing source revenue, uh, you know, did we, did we generate in that year? And so I'm always trying to be as, as ROI focused as possible. I don't particularly care as much about followers. I don't, there's a lot of just pretty stats that I just don't look at, honestly, because that's not what's going to drive growth. Especially yeah. when you're in a hyper growth environment, you have aggressive goals. Um, you're you're looking at lead gen conversion rates per channel and, and trying to see how you can accelerate that. Yeah, that, there's no room for vanity metrics when, especially when you're talking to a CFO. Like they, they don't care how much engagement we're getting on a social post. They want to know how much yeah. that engagement's going to result in increased yeah. revenue at the end of the day. Um, so let's let's sum everything up. Like let, let's like what are some golden rules for working with the CFO as, as maybe is the, the final thing to tie everything together. Like, do you, do you maybe have like two or three golden rules or more golden rules if you got them? Yeah. I mean, uh, I think the first thing I would say is to show this person that you understand their world and care about their world. Uh, make sure that before you talk about you, you talk about them. That's one of the first things I did was like, Hey, walk me through your world. Walk me through your PL right now. What looks good. Where do you have difficulties? Where can I potentially help? 
help. So that first piece is very important just to show that it's not about you. It's about, you know, understanding the CFO's world. The second thing is whatever project you bring to the CFO, uh, obviously when you need more budget, you need more hiring that wasn't obviously budgeted. Like when I joined, um, you know, budget was already set for the next year when I joined because I joined around uh, October, November time and budget for the following year was already set. And the, the way that I was able to get more budget in terms of hiring, in terms of getting access to more tools, in terms of increasing, uh, you know, our ad spend in general was because I was able to show how this could help us be more efficient. So I was able to show that uh, it can help cut um, the uh, the sell cycle in half. It can help increase pro uh, our deal sizes, it can help increase our overall lifetime, customer lifetime value, which means they stay with us longer, right? Um, and so, you know, the more you can tie any kind of projects you have to metrics that they care about, because remember, they're thinking about cash, about assets, and about liabilities, right? So if you're doing something that is helping the cash situation, or the asset uh, situation, or potentially influencing the liabilities in a positive way, these, you know, your CFO is all ears, you know, and you obviously need to be able to show the, uh, you know, a plan to how to get there, right? But, but as long as you learn about them, as long as you tie your metrics, your projects, your ask to their numbers, you'll be in a good, uh, you'll be in a good situation. Awesome. Or a better situation, I should say. A better situation, yes, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much, Unique. This has been fantastic. Um, yeah, as I said at the top of the show, like, it's a very, very important discussion to have. Um, the relationship with the CFO and the CMO is always going to be important. And it's going to be important to our audience as well, of course. Um, I'm sure they've uh, appreciated listening today. Um, thank you very much for listening. And thank you again, Unique, for joining us yeah. on the show today. Um, we'll be back soon with some more CMO combos. Awesome. Thanks a lot. We'll appreciate it.